Hey, what's up, folks? Thanks for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text of God's Word, and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we might keep God's law and we might observe it with our whole hearts. Psalm 118, verse 34. I'm excited to get into this series of studies uh, with you through my audio podcast. Uh, It's hosted on Podbean. And then it's found in many other places as well. I want to get into some episodes uh, dealing with the book of Revelation. Uh, Because of all the things that are going on in the world, uh, there's always been wars and rumors of wars and troubles going on in the Middle East and here and there and yonder. I want us to consider some things together. If I could pull up. Uh, very quickly, this will be kind of serve as an introduction to the episode today. This is what got me thinking about this. I saw this shared in multiple places, uh, a post online, and, and and if you share this online, I'm not against you. I don't think you're a bad person. I just think that some of the things that are mentioned in here are uh, incorrect. They are not biblically correct, and they assume some things that cannot be proven by Scripture. And so this is not a personal attack on you. But it's a, a way for me to teach and to get it out there. I'm not going to mention any names, who I saw share it, and that kind of stuff. That's that's not necessary because what I want to do is is try to uh, remove the cloud of uh, questions and uh, doubt and worry and wonder and that kind of thing, mysticism, and you know, kind of uh, make the Bible clear, uh, plain and more easy to understand. That's kind of the theme of my podcast. But I saw a post online uh, in the month of October 2023, that's when this podcast uh, is being recorded, and it says, y'all, the good book says the first time God destroyed the earth by water, and he promised to never do that again, the real meaning of the rainbow. He went on to say, I will destroy it by fire the second time. I won't even pretend to understand all of the book of Revelation, but I do quite plainly I do understand quite plainly that I do wish to spend eternity in heaven. And then it says, Keep in mind that the rapture comes first before the Antichrist. I have been hearing about the second coming of Christ and the events unfolding since I was a child. The mark of the beast, artificial intelligence, microchips, no cash slash digital currency, total government dependency slash control, period. When we are raising a family, working long hours, some two jobs, uh, lots of things going noticed or just get ignored. No one can comprehend how bad it will be, but we see it happening bit by bit on the news every day. While the devil is preparing people for the Antichrist, God is preparing people for the rapture. I don't know when the rapture will take place, but I know that I am not planning to be left behind when that trumpet sounds. I also believe right now that God is giving us a chance to repent. We need to get the gospel message out. Until the good Lord calls me away from this world to go home, I want to make it clear that I believe in Jesus Christ as the one and only true Lord and Savior. Despite the fact that I am human and I fail a lot, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the best challenge I've seen on Facebook, so if the Holy Spirit moves you and you're not ashamed, just copy and make this your status update. I am a believer in God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's, that's the end of the post. And while there are um, several statements in there that I admire and that I think that are correct and that are right, there are some that this whole post is based upon that are incorrect that I want to talk about. And like I said, this just serves as a kickoff, if you will, for a study on the book of Revelation that I'm going to do uh, for my listeners here on the Podbean channel. This Podbean channel 
The Aaron J. Dodson podcast is actually brought to you by the Washington Avenue Church of Christ in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And if you're ever in our area, we encourage you to come and, and visit us. Uh, we're located at 2001 West Washington Avenue in Jonesboro, zip code 72401. We meet on Sundays at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., and 5 p.m., and on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We would love to meet you and try to help you in your walk with God and try to answer any Bible questions that you might have. Now, this post, again, it says, Keep in mind that the rapture comes before the Antichrist. And what I would like to point out is that that is two ideas that are commonly taught, that are believed, and that are assumed that cannot be proven in the Scriptures. The idea of a rapture, that Jesus will appear and draw Christians away from the earth, and then unbelievers will remain on the earth. That is something that cannot be proved by the text. Instead, when Jesus comes, that will inaugurate the resurrection of the righteous and the unrighteous. According to John 5, verses 28 and 29, Jesus said that there was coming an hour, a singular hour, in which all that are in the graves would hear his voice. They would come forth, those that had done good to the resurrection of life and those that had done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Again, he says, don't be surprised. The hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. So, so Jesus, John, is recording. Pardon me for a moment. Please forgive me. So... John has recorded that Jesus said there was a singular hour in which all who were in the graves would hear Jesus' voice and come forth. That's going to happen when Jesus comes back. Matter of fact, as far as I know, there is no one place in Scripture that gives us a bit-by-bit, exact second-by-second, line-by-line list of the events that happen. But from my understanding, and I'll summarize it briefly, from my understanding, when you take 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, John chapter 5, 28 and 29, 1 Corinthians 15, these passages about Jesus' return and about the resurrection, the last enemy to be destroyed is the resurrection. My understanding is that when Jesus comes back, he will inaugurate the resurrection. He'll raise the living, uh, excuse me, he'll raise the righteous and the unrighteous in the same hour. And all will stand before him at the judgment seat, 2 Corinthians 5.10. And they will be judged by Christ according to Matthew uh, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. And the righteous will go into life eternal and the unrighteous will be escorted into the lake of fire that's actually prepared for the devil and his angels. I don't know of anything in Scripture that requires me to conclude that Jesus will get the godly off the earth and the ungodly will stay. If that's the way he chooses to do it, I don't see it being taught in Scripture. But the idea of the rapture, the denominational rapture, is not taught in Scripture. That has to be proved. That can't be assumed. And the idea of a singular Antichrist figure that will appear at the end of time again, is an assumption. It's a belief that is unproved, and I intend to discuss that uh, off and on and in different ways throughout this study. Now, this post, I could talk a lot about it, but the part that I want to use to really start this series of lessons and podcast episodes on Revelation says I won't even pretend to understand all the book of Revelation. I want to take that, and while it... While some might think it would be a sign of humility to admit that, you know, I don't understand everything in the book of Revelation, because if you truly don't, well, then it's true. You don't understand everything in the book of Revelation. 
Some see that as a sign of humility, acknowledging that, you know, the book of Revelation is hard and there's things you can't understand and that kind of thing. But what I want us to consider is that the book of Revelation can be understood. It may be that it takes more time and more effort. But when I read Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, John wrote, Blessed is he who reads the who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near how could they have read it and heard it and then kept the things that were written if they didn't understand it someone might say well they could understand it then we can't understand it now to which i would say i disagree while it might may be more challenging for us today to understand it it may take more time and more homework, more effort. I do believe we can understand it. Again, the ideas, though, of the rapture, an antichrist, a singular antichrist figure at the end of time to appear, to wreak havoc on the earth, the mark of the beast. and all, I think these are things that millennialists have taken out of the book of Revelation, out of their context, and tried to craft, not tried, but half-crafted their own theories about these words and these ideas, and they've applied it to the end of time as we know it here on earth. And I think that is wrong. I think that is an incorrect hermeneutic. And I hope that you will join me and uh, exercise your study and exercise your mind and consider it a different way, if you will. Now, I'm going to be using the Holy Word of God, but I'm also going to be using a book that I've been given permission to use in my study and to use however I wish, written by a friend, Drew Leonard, on the book of Revelation. I'm not going to read everything by word for word, but there are some things that I will read, and I'm going to add my own comments and my own thoughts to it. But I think the way he has it lined out uh, is good. And when I think about you know teaching on the book of Revelation, it's... Yeah, it, it is a bit overwhelming because of all the many ideas that people believe about the book of Revelation and its contents. I want to start by considering together the language of the book of Revelation, and that will be the bulk uh, of this study together uh, in, this, in this episode. And, and as I said before, there will be more to come. All who read the book of Revelation should realize that it is quite different from the other New Testament books. Naturally, there are parts of the New Testament that are similar, but most of the epistles are rather straightforward in their genre, their literary style. Revelation is noticeably symbolic, as even the literalist attest to in their inconsistent hypocritical approach to the book. John claims that the text is a vision, and that makes it very different than the other books. Revelation 9, verse 17. Revelation 9, verse 17. John wrote, And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, etc., etc. I saw the horses in the vision. It's a vision, folks. So it's going to be different, and we need to approach the book carefully. It is tempting to argue that Revelation is a hidden book because the title, Revelation, suggests an uncovering or a revealing of that which was hidden. 
several professors and scholars have suggested that it was written to be hidden from the Romans. However, one has effectively countered by asking about what would stop the Romans from appearing in the assembly of the church and hearing the explanation of the book or from extorting the saints to explain it. And I like that. I think that, I think that draws good, good, some good thoughts. The style of literature in Revelation is apocalyptic, and we've got to get that. It's apocalyptic. It is highly figurative. Therefore, the text should be approached under the principle of seeing things as figures unless necessary to see it as literal, which is the opposite of the principle that should be used in approaching an average section of Scripture. Normally, we would approach Scripture and say that it is literal and it must be literal unless it's necessary to see it figurative. The book of Revelation needs to be seen the other way around. Under the principle of seeing things as figures unless necessary to see it as literal. Now, as far as it being an apocalyptic book, the apocalyptic writing style is familiar to the Old Testament. And this, dear listener, I was woefully ignorant of not too many years ago, but I've tried to plunge myself into a deeper study of this. The apocalyptic writing style of the book of Revelation is familiar to the Old Testament, having grown out of times of trial, trouble, and sorrow. So when you pause there, when you, when you hear the book of Revelation is apocalyptic, think, okay, that writing style is familiar to the Old Testament. And that style of writing grew out of times of difficulty, trial, trouble, and sorrow. Okay, And so, since the Old Testament <clears throat> is familiar with that kind of language, by extension, the early church, whose Bible was the Old Testament, and was filled, the early church was filled with Jews, they would have been familiar with the style of literature also. Keep that in mind as we approach the book of Revelation. The text of Revelation is filled with allusions to the Old Testament prophets and some other texts. John makes the same points that Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Zechariah, and some of the others did. Now, John has a different identity in view. But John makes the same points about his own day, his own time. It is in that vein or this vein that one should read the book of Revelation. John speaks of deliverance from the oppressor and judgment upon him in the same ways that the prophets told Israel of deliverance from and judgment upon Babylon, Assyria, and others. It is more than coincidence that the oppressor in Revelation wears the names of Egypt, Sodom, and Babylon. That's not coincidental. John is informing his readers in the first century of his Old Testament thematic allusions. And he is, John is recycling, reusing the same figures 
to make the same point for a different oppression. I want you to just mull on that. Think on that. This literary genre of apocalyptic literature that I mentioned, it includes various aspects. It often contains aspects of mystery, destruction, crisis, epoch, symbol, and prophecy. The major point is that John's text is highly figurative. So, we should consider such an approach before insisting prematurely and dogmatically upon a literal interpretation of any section within the text. And you get that idea carried out also in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Let's consider it. Revelation 1, 1 and 2. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. So again, we need to be careful not to prematurely and dogmatically insist upon a literal interpretation of any section. Jesus sent and signified this message, this revelation, signified it, its signs, its figures, by his symbols, by his angel to his servant John. All right, now we're going we're gonna to consider more in time to come building upon this idea. But when we think about the book of Revelation, and so many things in our time, people, oh yeah, you know in the book of Revelation it says, and so often the things that are said are things that are not contextually in the book of Revelation. Oh, someone might use a, 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 a word that's used or even a similar idea that is used, but it's not the exact idea that John used when he wrote in the first century. And I think a lot of the trouble is people approach the book of Revelation the wrong way. We must consider the language of the book, that it is very different from the other New Testament books, that it is noticeably symbolic, but on the other hand, it is not merely, it is not some hidden book that can't be understood. Because Revelation 1.3 says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. That would mean that the people who heard it and read it then could understand it if they focused on what they were hearing and reading. Again, I've mentioned the style of literature is apocalyptic, and this apocalyptic language is not new to Scripture in the book of Revelation. It's found in the books of Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Zechariah, uh, and a few other places in bits and pieces. And this genre has various aspects of mystery and destruction, crisis, symbols, and prophecy. Again, the major point of this, of this episode is that John's text in Revelation is highly figurative. And so when we're reading through it, we must, we must approach it under the principle of seeing things as figures unless necessary to see it as literal. And I just can't overemphasize that. As you begin to study the book of Revelation with me or on your own or whatever, 
No, it must be approached under that guiding principle that we must see things in the book as figures unless necessary to see it as literal. Again, that's the opposite of the principle that should be used in approaching the average section of Scripture, where we should approach everything as literal unless necessary to see it figuratively because it's apocalyptic language. And that kind of language is used during times of trial, trouble, and sorrow. And the early church, knowing the Old Testament, was familiar with that. Maybe, not maybe, no doubt, that would be one of the reasons why they would understand the book quicker or more quickly than we would. But I'm convinced with these considerations in mind and others that we're going to look at, we can understand that it's highly figurative. Now, to illustrate that it's highly figurative, I want to, before I close this episode, mention some codes and symbols that are detailed in the book of Revelation. Numbers and symbols are very prevalent for John to make his points and and to tie in what we've said about apocalyptic language and figurative symbolic language. Let me just show you some examples of that. Consider uh, some of these passages uh, that are a few of the symbols that continually, continually appear within the book of Revelation. The first of them, the first number is the number seven, and that number represents completeness. The many uses of the number scripture shows that it is consistently used in, in, in such a way as completeness. You might check out Genesis 4.24, 2 Kings 5.10, Daniel 4.16 and 23. Completeness is the idea behind the symbol of the number seven in the book of Revelation. Some attempt to reject any specificity within chapter 17, verses 10 and 11 about the kings how, that are mentioned there. However, the number becomes eight, so the argument may be poor. Consider the explanation in the discussion of the date that, of this book and the comments of chapters 13 and 17, and we'll get to some of those things in time to come. Uh, the number six that number is not frequent in the book. It does appear twice, chapter 4, verse 8, chapter 13, verse 18. Again, examine the context for how the number is used. The latter text may present something slightly short of 7, 6, slightly short of complete. The number 10 is used, and that is another symbol for completeness, I do believe. It's used in several places in the book by John, chapter 2, verse 10, Chapter 17, verse 12, multiples of 10 also appear in several places in the text of Revelation. Both factors should be considered in order to ascertain the significance behind the figure. The number 12 is used as a representation of authorized religion. Chapter 4, verse 4, chapter 7, verses 5 through 8, chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. And I think the number 12 in the book of Revelation would be modeled after the 12 tribes of Israel or the 12 apostles of Christ. Authorized religion appears to be the notion that's expressed. See also Matthew 19, 28. One-third is a symbol. And that symbol appears to indicate part, a portion or part of something is being expressed in the text by this figure. Keep that in mind. And you might reference Old Testament books that say that use the number in the same way, like Ezekiel 5, verses 1 and following, uh, Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7 and following. Three and a half years equals 42 months equals 1,260 days equals times, times, and a times. Excuse me, I'll get it right. 
equals time times and a half a times. That symbol is a broken seven, indicating incompleteness. It's recycled or reused from the book of Daniel, and it's used frequently. These terms symbolize a time of hardship, persecution. The idea is the opposite of a complete or perfect time. It is a time of imperfection. Again, I reference you to Daniel 7.25, Daniel 12.7, and also the book of Revelation. 11, chapter 11, verses 2, 3, 9, and 11. Chapter 12, verses 6 and 14. And then chapter 13, verse 5. Now, the point of this, and I'll summarize, God, through figures and symbols, was speaking to his people in, in colorful ways to tell them about the persecution and the deliverance from it. There's other symbols and figures that are used that are extraordinarily commonplace to the religious world. For example, 1,000 and 144,000. These symbols, however, are multiples of other figures used already. For example, 10 and 12. These symbols occur on a grander scale, but they should receive a similar treatment as the numbers that I've previously mentioned, such as 7, 6, 10, 12, a third, or three and a half years, and so forth. So that's just a short sampling of, you know, how we should approach the book recognizing its unique literature, its unique genre, okay? And there'll be more to come, special episodes on the book of Revelation. I hope that you have found this one helpful. Please take all this into mind. If this was the first time or second time you've heard this or some of it was new, I want to encourage you, go back and write down some notes. Go back and listen to it again. Write down some of these notes and consider some of these things with me as we go through this study. If you enjoyed this and you think it would help others, please do me a favor and share this episode so that others can find it. If you will click like on, on Podbean or whatever other format you see this on, click like, click share, give me a rating. That would help me a lot in the algorithms. I would appreciate that. Remember, this podcast, the Aaron J. Dodson Podcast, is a work of the Washington Avenue Church of Christ in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Thank you for listening, and God bless, and I'll catch you next time.